A mysterious book scroll opens and things come out of the book of Revelation. Find out on this episode what Jesus is talking about. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey, we're in the middle of studying the book of Revelation, and hopefully you followed us from episode to episode in this entire season. On this episode, we're looking at chapter 6, and we're looking at different seals, and we gotta, there's a, we're in the middle of it, so we'll give a little bit of context and jump into what's coming out of this book seal. So, Siku, can you pray for us and ask for a blessing as we read Scripture? Sure. Uh, dear God, we pray that you would bless our reading of your word, help us to understand through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we not just would have a mental understanding, but that we would submit our lives to the Amen. truths that we learn in your word. Amen. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Israel, help us out. Last week we were in chapter 5, and uh, we're going we're gonna to read chapter 6, uh, Jared, but um, Israel, give us a background here. Where are we going? Are seals that we're mentioning in? And boom. So chapter 6 is dealing with the different seals in the book of Revelation. Yes. But the context of this is given to us and our, and our scripture reading is found in uh, Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. Verses 9 and 10 is talking about a song, a song that a group of people is singing uh, to God. And it says, can I read it? Yeah. Because I know Jared is supposed to read. Well, yeah, we, we break hey, the system wherever we can. Go That's for cool. It, <laughs> can Jared read it for us? No. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> now you're going to sign readings out? All right, I'll read it. So in verse 9 it says, and they sang... A new song yes, sir. saying, mm. you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were mm. slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. This is a mm. song of triumph mm-hmm. and it's a song of praise to God and to Jesus. This is a song and the Bible says, and they sang this song. Who's the they? In, and, and you looked at it last week already, so we can't go into it too much. But in verse 5, it's talking about who the they is. Mm. It's talking about really heaven and earth, but specifically humanity. Why is humanity singing this song? It says there in verse 5 of uh, chapter 5, it identifies Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. And it says that this man, the man from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, this man has prevailed to open the scroll. Mm -hmm. And so this is a story or this is a song of praise because there is someone that is um, that that identifies with humanity that is able to do the impossible. Mm -hmm. And that is Jesus. And this goes back or it reminds me of the prophecy where God, the angel came to Mary and it said, you know, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus and he's going to save his people from 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 death. And it says, because with him or through God, nothing shall be impossible in Luke chapter one, I think, verse 37. Mm -hmm. And so why is there the song of praise to Christ? The song of praise is there because Jesus has been able to do what no other person Mm -hmm. can do. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of triumph and praise over that. And so Mm -hmm. that's where uh, the identifying of Christ with humanity is what causes the song of praise. Well, I really appreciate the, the points of this. Is heaven and earth is, is, is calling out these words, and, and heaven 
being represented by the four angels and then the earth being represented by the 24 elders. And they're saying, go to verse 13, every creature which is in heaven on and on earth and under the earth and such as in the sea and all that they're in, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on their throne and to the lamb forever and ever. It seems like chapter four is about God who is worthy and God who created everything. And chapter five is talking about Jesus who is the one who redeemed all of humanity. Mm-hmm. So this is this is this this worship is just building up and all the building up. And in chapter six, so let's go to chapter six. And uh, Jared, can you read verse six? Uh, chapter six, verse one and two. Sure. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud with or excuse me with a voice like thunder, "Come and see." And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Verse 3, And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take place from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there should be given to him a great sword. Verse 5 and 6, Siku. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Yeah, so these are the first four seals. First three. Jared, what's, what's, oh, for the first three. Mm-hmm. What's, what's going on here? Well, again, kind of looking back into chapter 5, you have the lamb who conquers. And he's the only one who's able to uh, take this seal or the, the scroll and start popping the seals off of this scroll. It's almost like Jesus has the destiny of the church in mm. his hand. And as those seals are being popped off, you're seeing this unfolding of the history of the church mm. being played out as the mm-hmm. seals are removed. Mm-hmm. So this parallels the seven churches. Mm-hmm. So you have Jesus the priest who's up in heaven and he's lighting each of these candlesticks and there's ramifications that happen on earth. Mm-hmm. And then this, this in the second story, you have Jesus who's now king, mm-hmm. and, he's, and I love that. He's popping awesome. the seals off in heaven, and that's, there's, there's ramifications here on mm-hmm. earth. Siku, what's this first seal that's happening? Well, uh, can, I, can I make a comment before I, I talk about that first sure, seal? Can, yeah. um, I like that in chapter 5 it establishes the fact that Jesus is, open, is willing to open, is able to open these seals is a cause for rejoicing. Yeah. So that points us to the fact that this isn't, a scary book again this is this is exciting that we can be able to look through the history of the church mm-hmm. you know and jesus is giving us this view mm-hmm. and in verse verse uh, two of chapter six i looked and behold a white horse and we're starting kind of in john's day after you know jesus has been on the earth and he's been doing his ministry you have this picture of white purity mm-hmm. and and the church is 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 in its sort of in its purity, in its infancy, and the gospel is going out. He sat on the throne. He had a crown. He's going out conquering and to conquer. Mm-hmm. So you have the gospel going forward, and this white horse is going and spreading the gospel all over the world, just like what was done in, in the first century of the church's existence. Mm-hmm. And so this is a natural uh, working out of Jesus on the throne. So Jesus has won, game over, and one way that he's won is that the gospel's going out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of is, is when we were studying the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And in Acts 17, I think they were going into Thessalonica. And the people were like, 
these people turned the world upside down, yeah. and now they're coming here. So, so you know, be careful. Um, mm-hmm. The church turned the world upside down, right? Uh-huh. They, they went forth like this white horse with bow in hand, shooting arrows of, of conviction, and the mm-hmm. gospel spreads throughout the known world at that time. That's what this is talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the second seal there, uh, Israel, what's, what's that second horse, and what's going on there? It's dealing with what has happened now as a result of spiritual famine or the consequences of rejecting the gospel. Mm. And so you have in the in the first seal, you have it's a positive and then it kind of turns negative second and third seal. Mm. What what to me strikes me in both and actually in all the seals is that phrase where it says come and see. Mm. And it, what, when you when you first going back to the first seal before you get into second and third, it talks about the fact there that. A lamb is conquering. You know, how in the world does a lamb conquer? You think of maybe the lion conquering, but the lamb is conquering. And I think it gives us a a picture here that God sees things differently. And if you go back to the teachings of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. In other words, Jesus conquers in a very different way than other governments conquer. And, and, And so the way in which Jesus takes over the world is not through army or through power or through strength, but through a seed. And so in that same, with that same vein of thought, in every other seal that follows with that whole come and see phrase, Jesus is giving us a perspective on current world events through the way that God sees it. Mm-hmm. And so now you see now, look, God is showing what the gospel does to conquer. Mm-hmm. And then now God's going to open our eyes to see what happens when you eliminate the gospel. Mm-hmm. What are the consequences of that? And so a lot of times when we look at what is happening around us, we have our own perspective, our own approach to seeing this. And it is impossible for us to see what's really going on unless God himself reveals it to us. Mm-hmm. And so now you have here, God is giving us a picture of what happens. Oh, you think you can live life without the gospel? Let me show you what's going to be the result of that. And so you have this picture of, of death, and you have this, this picture of what the, what the world looks like mm-hmm. with the absence of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So this is, so one way that, I mean, I'm just trying to put this in my words, one way that Jesus goes out conquering is through the gospel but for those who should reject the gospel, this red horse is the alternative. That's what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. What happens when you reject the gospel? Yeah. Okay. Um, the third seal, what's going on there, Jared? A continuation, right? Yeah. Third seal, you've got this black horse. Mm-hmm. You have the pair of scales. And you have here... Uh, the, the creature's talking about a quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius was about a day's wage and three quarts of barley. This is some of the cheapest food that you can buy. Spiritually, um, we would say this is a famine of, of, of spiritual truth, a famine of the word of God. And it goes on and it says, do not harm the oil and the wine. Mm-hmm. What I, I've always seen this, Justin, these, these three seals is kind of, uh, progression from the spread of the gospel, mm-hmm. and then you have like a reaction against that spread of the gospel, and you see a church that's persecuted. You see in the second seal, um, people you know persecuting with the sword. You yeah. think of the days of Diocletian, you know, um, paralleling the second the second seal parallels the second church of Smyrna, but mm-hmm. persecuted exactly. Okay. And then you get here, and it's almost like. For a church that was heavily persecuted, um, almost like like if you can't beat them, join them 
kind mm. of a thing, where the church is tempted now, after kind of the heavy hand of the Roman Empire, why don't you guys just compromise, mm-hmm. right? So then you have spiritual declension and, and death seeping in where the church has essentially gone dark because it's compromised. Yeah, and it's paralleled by the, that black horse there. I mean, if the White House is the White House. The white horse is the gospel. The black horse is the absence of the exactly. gospel. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. the opposite happening. Okay. And then the fourth fourth seal, Siku, what's going on in the fourth seal? Since when he opened the fourth seal and, and the coming seal, he sees there's a pale horse. Mm-hmm. And this parallels the church, uh, the, the corrupt church that we talked about in Thyatira, mm-hmm. where you find that God had nothing to say but rebukes to them, you mm-hmm. know, for the bad things that was happening because the church now in Thyatira was just corrupt. Mm-hmm. And so he's going and power is given to them to kill with sword, with hunger, death. I mean, this is, uh, it's beyond what was happening uh, in, in the third seal it's not just the absence of the gospel it's it's now like outright uh how would you say like uh uh antagonism voila <laughs> antagonism towards you know the gospel and this parallels that time period which which is called the dark ages you know or the lack of yeah. you know spiritual light in the world during that time so we're here in the middle of the seals here and we just covered the four horsemen and we're going to look at the remaining seals after this break Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. We've looked at really what many, what in pop culture they call the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And some people are looking through literal figures who are on a white horse or a red horse or a black horse or a pale chlorine horse, as the Greek says. But we're looking here at uh, Revelation chapter 6, and these four horsemen are part of a larger picture that Jesus is on the throne, and he's going out, and he's conquering the world, and he's being victorious, and whatever he does in heaven has repercussions on earth. So I want to ask you this question. So Jesus is victorious, he's on the throne, and then the first white horse goes forth, like the gospel's going forth. Like, that makes sense. That's awesome. But Jesus is on the throne, and now now there's death that goes forth, and then now there's famine that goes forth. Is Jesus the one that's causing this to happen? And what's the correlation with Jesus being on the throne? Can you help me help me with that connection? This okay, what's what's happening here is not anything new, right? Because when you had God called Israel out of Egypt mm-hmm. and established them. God was their king, yeah. right? But but they had a choice. So they're worshiping idols. They're compromising, um, which eventually brought in all kinds of problems that reverberated all the way down through the time mm. when Jesus came. So Jesus comes and he establishes the church. He dies on the cross. He ascends. He sits down on the throne. The, the church is going forth to conquer, right? And it does. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't eliminate the freedom of the church to choose. Mm. And in the whole... And, you know, we're seeing this again, but in the whole political scene, there's persecution and then they give in to compromise. And then you talk about that chlorine, that green horse, it becomes sick and on the verge uh, of, of death until, you know, you get to the, to the black horse. So it, bad things happening and the church essentially going astray doesn't mean that God is not 
on the throne. Mm. He's still on the throne, mm-hmm. and he's going to bring something glorious out of this mm-hmm. at the end. And, and that's that's a powerful point. I just want to underscore. So the church, if you, I mean, a lot of people say this. You Christians, haven't you looked at your own history? The church has been the 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 reason why of all the suffering. And, and, and the reality is, yeah, it's that's bleak. true it's to a degree. But, it's, but Jesus has almost predicted that before it would happen. But there's some, there's a, there's a golden lining through that. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a hope that's anticipated through that. Yeah. Okay. Siku. I just wanted to go with when, when you said the looking at the Israelites, uh, for me, it took me back to them coming out of Egypt. Yeah. That um, when God was sending a message to Pharaoh to let his people go, Pharaoh had uh, the prerogative for how to respond to the message mm. that was being given to okay, him. Okay, okay, yeah. And so when the gospel goes out, there's freedom for how you're going to respond. And um, the response may be you accept it wholeheartedly, it completely transforms your life, you know, um, your relationships, everything about you. Uh, you could reject it completely. You could fight against those who choose to accept it, mm-hmm. you know, leading to persecution of others. And so, so the fact of the gospel going out doesn't mean that Everybody is converted. Mm-hmm. The fact of the gospel being preached to all the world doesn't mean the whole world becomes Christian. Yeah. It just means that everyone has an opportunity to respond to the gospel, right. and that response differs. And this this conquering is not a military conquering, as you mentioned. This is a lamb on the throne. There's a gentleness. There's a conversion. This is not by force mm-hmm. and by military uh, conquering. This is yeah. just through through spiritual conversion. And the, the point is, it's impossible for a human being to understand what is taking place in this world. It's impossible for us to understand. And so because we have limited understanding and limited perspective, we come up with limited conclusions. If we see sin and suffering mm. and, and we see God and love, we don't have in our human capabilities the ability to make sense of the two. Yes. And, so that is why, and so that is why we have to surrender that and say, look, God is in control. The presence of these things does not mean that God has lost control of what is taking place, number one. And number two is that God does not hide it. And this is where I think it's, it's, it's different for us as a church. We try to hide our problems. We try to hide uh, from the world what is taking place internally. But here you have an invitation from, from, that is given to the world. Come and see. Yeah. Right. But when you come and see, understand your own limitations to understanding and grasping what is taking place in the world. Come and see. But as you see what is taking place and as you realize that you don't know how to make sense of it, understand that God still sits on the throne mm-hmm. yeah. and that he sees what's going on and that there's a divine perspective just because things are where they're at does not mean that God has lost control of what is taking place. So in the place. previous episode, if we were to boil it and distill it into one word, it was access. But I'm getting from this, 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 this chapter here that one word uh, to encapsulate this episode is control. Mm-hmm. That despite uh, the world being crazy, we need to have to say in faith, Jesus is on the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's not so easy to say that. Right. Um, let's transition to the fifth seal because it actually yeah. bridges with what you're saying here. Go to chapter 6, verse 9 of Revelation. Verse 9 says, When Jesus opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then the white 
robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who should be killed as they were was completed. Hmm. All right, so this 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 seal is is is, is dovetailing, but 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 make that connection clearer for us, Jared. I'm I'm just thinking here the church transitions into this persecuting power, and there are the righteous ones, mm-hmm. right, which should have been the majority. Mm-hmm. Now they're the minority, and they're being killed. And just like if you go back, this this language of their blood crying out for justice, mm-hmm. this goes all the way back to Genesis. what Genesis chapter four, Cain when and Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. right, where Cain kills his brother, and God said, "Where's your brother?" His blood cries out to the ground for me. It's not literally crying, and these aren't you know disembodied spirits literally sure. crying out, but it's symbolic of God takes note. There is a cry for justice, and yeah. God will hear that cry, and he will uh, act on the oppressor. And, and he's saying, what, what, and just stuff to what Israel is saying, just wait a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. These things are going to work themselves out, and Jesus is still on the throne, but just, just, just chill for a little while. And, and you'll be justified. I love, I love that verse 11. Until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren uh, would be filled and who would be killed as they were was completed. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, there's a time element there. Yeah. Yeah. So can- and I, I, in, in the fourth seal, you see this power which was given to kill with sword and hunger. But then it doesn't end with just this killing and this devastation that is happening. It transitions to the fifth seal where it seems like those who are being killed and and... The, the death that is happening, there's still a faithful group mm-hmm. who are willing to die for their testimony. Mm-hmm. You have this this love for the truth, regardless of the t- the trials that are happening around you, regardless of the persecution. And in of note, in verse 9 at the end, it says that they had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they mm-hmm. held. And so they're going out and sharing these truths that they have at, pe- at the peril of their own lives. Mm-hmm. And so you have this, this awakening of... of, of of, I guess of the gospel and of this, the, the importance of the word of God through the testimony of these people who cry out saying how yeah. long. Is there an mm-hmm. implicit message here that's saying don't worry about how you're going to die. Go, go die for God. Well, there and is. And if you die, don't worry. We'll just resurrect you again. There, uh, not to be flippant, yeah. but just yeah. to, there is that. That, that seems yeah. to be the underlying. There is that, but there is, but God doesn't. God gives us that message, yes, but He gives us a solid reason to place that belief on, mm-hmm. and 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 that's what kind of comes out. This is here. You're reaching now the climax of the loss of control, right? Mm-hmm. So you have in the first seal, you have you know conquering victory going on. It's a high note. And then it gradually decreases. Mm -hmm. It gradually decreases until you reach the point where religion itself, people that claim to be the followers of Christ, are now persecuting people. How how worse can it get that Christians will kill real Christians, right? Right. And so this is the ultimate loss of control. And and within that, this is the 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 craziness of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) that that um, that you have. In the, in the very presence of the greatest evil, the greatest evil being that someone would take the name of Christ and be the devil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the presence of the greatest evil, you have the beauty, the presence of the greatest beauty of real Christianity mm-hmm. and true godliness. In mm-hmm. other words, nothing shines brighter 
Nothing shines brighter than a candle lit in the darkest place of the world. And this is what's going on. And so now the question is, why is it that Jesus says this? Hey, be willing to die. He says this within the context of the song, right? Nothing shall be impossible. And so Jesus says, please place your faith on me to this greatest degree. But don't just do it blindly. Do it because you understand that I have already done the impossible. I have become human, even though I was divine. And even though I was divine and became human, I'm now divine again. And I'm, uh, well, not again, but I've always been. But now I'm representing you within heavenly, uh, you know, thrones. And now you have this whole dynamic of just this craziness of interplay between human and divine. And God says, just trust me that all of this is it. I, I've got all this in control. This, this, this study is, 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 yeah. is, is really good. This, this, bro, you're blowing my mind, man. Like this, this story is a story of not just the church, but it's a story of how Jesus doesn't separate himself from the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he claims ownership of the church, even when the church is at its worst, uh, right? Yeah, right? And as a person who at times struggles with the church, right? And struggles with church people and church politics and all of those things. Like, like, a- am I above Jesus? Like, mm-hmm. am I going to separate myself from this church? Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to, am I going to put the church at arm's length? Am I going to blast and condemn the church? I mean, Jesus has a right to, it's his. Yeah. It doesn't belong to me. Right. So to submit to him and realize that there's there's a broader narrative here, but ultimately, no matter what things look like, Jesus is is in control and he's got and, the and end you're, game you're, in mind. Your point is there, there is that human human um, insecurity that I want to control the church. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, man, the church is, is messed up. Well, then it's up to me to go fix it. It's, I need, and then he takes sides. And humans resort to force. We don't, not in the, in the name of the lamb, but in the name yeah. of, of power, of dominance, of, yeah. of magnitude, and just you know, yeah. just shoving it in as, as hard as we can and getting our way through in the name of control. Yeah, well, that's 9311. That's exactly what's happening in 9311. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the execution of trying to be like Christ through force, which is mm-hmm. antithetical to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think verse verse 12 is where Jesus says, you know what, bam, I'm going to show you how I'm in control. Okay. And then he comes in, and then the, the sixth seal comes in, and then that's when Jesus himself takes control again of everything that's taking place, and he vindicates He vindicates his people. So in the sixth year, from verse 12 through 17 of chapter 6, you have super, you have the sun, the moon. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, hey, I control the moon. I control the sun. I control the stars. And then there is the kings of the earth, verse 15. Kings of the earth, the great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains. So this, this, Jesus is now... In working control. his his yeah. thing, mm-hmm. yeah. this, he's coming mm-hmm. out, which ends with the question in verse fifteen: "For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand?" So here we are. Here we are in the twenty first century, and the great question is: Who is able to stand? And hopefully, all of us, we're part of the first seal, and we're part of the the gospel message, and the gospel message is conquering ourself and our our selfishness every single day. But there's the question, who is able to stand? We'll answer that question in the next chapter, in the next episode on the 144,000. I hope you've been blessed by this episode. I know I have profoundly been. I've been kind of scared of the seven seals, but it's been a blessing for me, hopefully for you too. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. 
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Kelly Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.